Hi, this is Michael Sinoff with HardToFindSeminars.com. Richard has been working as a full-time marketing consultant for the last 14 years. Now, when I meet a man who's out there still working in the trenches, still calling on clients, still active in the consulting business, I stop and take note. When I found out Richard was a Jay Abraham original protege all the way back in 1990, then I knew I had really struck gold. I had to talk to Richard. I had to get inside his head, and I had to ask him every imaginable question about how he operates his consulting business. I've worked with other so-called marketing consultants in the past, consultants that say they have experience, but when it comes down to it, their experience claims fall short. I want to learn from an expert sales professional still out there in the field doing consulting, and that's why I'm proud to introduce to you such a man. Once Richard and I started talking, I never knew where the conversation would go, but by the time we ended this conversation, I think I have captured one of the most specific, detailed dissertations on the inside workings of how to operate and run a marketing consulting business. I had Richard take me through every single step of his process. I had him use real-life client examples to illustrate his points. You'll hear Richard's system for getting clients. You'll hear how to improve your practice if you're a marketing consultant. You'll hear what to do, how to qualify, how to set up an appointment, where to meet. Do you meet over breakfast? Do you meet over drinks? Do you meet in a office and why, the questions to ask. You'll hear about a PowerPoint presentation. You'll hear his opportunity analysis worksheet, how to charge, and most importantly, how to close a deal. I absolutely know you're going to be thrilled with this conversation. The minute we got the owner's unique selling proposition integrated into the sales pitch of the five salespeople, we increased their closing rate from 20 to 40 percent and increase their revenues from 60 to 90 million dollars. Wow. It was phenomenal. You have no hard cost. The consulting business, and marketing consulting included, is the highest profit margin business out there. I mean, I meet these business owners every day and there you can buy on 10%, 15%, 20% growth profit. Marketing consulting gives you 90, 95% gross profit. So let me ask this. You went through Jay's system, the marketing system in 1990, and you're still actually out there having someone telemarket for you, set up appointments, you're calling to confirm. You've actually been doing this for this long. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you why. Because the number one killer of the consulting business and marketing consulting included is you stop marketing. And the minute you stop marketing, you're dead. Because you start you start to get lethargic, you start to get lazy, you start to, uh, you get clients and you think you're busy enough and so you don't keep marketing. I throw out this rule right now and that is anyone serious about getting in the consulting business better always be willing to market 25% of their time. So this isn't a uh, land a huge client, get a good contingency deal, make several hundred thousand dollars and retire for the next year. <laughs> You'll only find those if you keep doing what I've described you to do. You won't find those by a science. You'll run into them. And I've run into a couple of them. And so I've had a couple of client relationships that have given me the big bucks for a short period of time. But they're far and few between. Now let's talk about it. You say for a short period of time. It was this contingency relationship? Both fee and contingency. Do they last contingency relationships? Contingencies are hard to make last. Why? There's several things. One is you're in a partnership with the business owner. You're now relying on his honesty and his trust and his capability of doing business. That's not always in your control. It may not always keep working the way you want it to work. Does it change the relationship between the two people? It absolutely does. That's why I don't recommend a contingency basis to begin with. I will always charge a fee first. And then as I work with the client and they work with me and we find out that we're working well together, it can evolve into a contingency opportunity. If you were dropped off in the middle 
of an unknown town or city with no money, no credentials, and no more knowledge about business than your neighbor's pet dog, and you were given just five days to make $10,000 as a marketing consultant, what would you do? What steps would you take? What mindset would you adopt? And how successful do you think you would be and why? I would immediately find information that would act as a model, or I would find a mentor, I would find someone in that community, or on written material or a book, I'd go to the library or I'd go on the web and I'd find the best marketing consultants out there, and I would read and I'd study and I would find out what he did or she did. And I would then distill that into an approach and go immediately begin to approach small businesses and find ways that I could leverage what the small business had already been doing and quickly generate cash for the business. If I was penniless at the time and I didn't have to have pennies right away, I'd probably do it on a, on a contingency basis where I would get a percentage of the increase that my marketing efforts would produce. So that's what I would do, is I would find knowledge, I would find information, I would find a way to head start me, a way to jump start me. Now, is this what you did with your marketing consulting business? I have done it. Uh I have done it several times. I've done it both on a fee-based level as well as a contingency-based level. Who was that expert that you modeled to start your business? Uh, This was Jay Abraham. Can you tell me about that? Jay, back in 1990, was looking for a 1,000 protégés to train. So he sent out some advertising, and I read his ad in Entrepreneur Magazine. He took out about a 27-page ad in the middle of Entrepreneur Magazine. I was on an airline flight at the time and read it and decided that then I would take what was my background, which had been in outside sales, combine it with his marketing expertise, and I was intrigued then to start my own marketing consulting practice. So I invested $15,000 in Jay and went and spent a week with him as well as about 100 of Came away with all of the information that I needed to combine with my own skills where I had been to that point in my life and started uh, marketing consulting. Do you think your sales skills as an outside salesperson gave you an advantage over someone who didn't have the sales expertise in being a marketing consultant? I think it did with regards to my training from Jay, as Jay didn't supply any of that in his training. Jay was strictly marketing, so fortunately for me, I was able to supply what Jay didn't give me. Now, since then, I have been able to document the whole process from what you say to a prospective business client all the way to closing and servicing that client in a way that someone wouldn't have to have that strong sales background. But for me, it was it was important that I had it. What were you selling in outside sales? Oh, I had uh, worked for a couple of different companies, one selling uh, educational books to the public, another company selling software to trucking firms. I was with an auto leasing firm selling auto leasing brokerage services, so it was pretty varied that I had had up to that point. Some of the stuff was pretty high ticket, the uh, trucking software? Yeah, the software was $30,000 software, and then I spent some time also selling timeshares as well, so it was a fun background. Here's a question from Marty. Can a person who has no money, no credit, no job, go out and do this thing, or is this some sort of pipe dream, being a marketing consultant? Well, they have to have a few innate characteristics. They've got to uh, enjoy working with people. They've got to have some passion. They've got to have uh, an ability to communicate well with a business owner and enjoy working with a business owner. Uh, those are the requirements. You can have no money. You can have uh, all of the other stuff that you mentioned, but... You do have to have at least what I just described. Here's a question from Ken. Let's start with my favorite question, the numbers question. You can afford 500 bucks per month to start marketing your practice. What medium would you spend it on 
in what would your message be? I would use the phone. I would save the $500. I would get on the phone, and I would be contacting small business owners. And my scripting would be, hello, Mr. Business Owner, my name is Tom, and I have a way that I can increase your sales for your business without spending any more money on advertising. Could I take 15, 20 minutes and tell you a little bit more about it? Is this what you use even today? Thank you, bet. Versions of that we still use even today. Have you tried other versions and found this to be the one that produces results? Yeah, this one is, is one that sets me apart from everybody else. How's that? Well, these small business owners are getting contacted constantly by traditional media, traditional advertising mediums like the newspaper, the radio, direct mail, coupons, the Internet. And when the approach is on the phone saying, I'm going to be able to increase sales for your business without spending more money on these traditional advertising approaches, it catches their ear. This is totally opposite to what other calls are. That's right. Have you quantified this? How many calls does it take to get an appointment? You bet. Uh, We have found that talking to 10 business owners, in other words, making contact with 10 decision makers, will get you an appointment. Now, how do we identify, how do we get that decision maker on that first scripted call? Two ways. One is the market that I recommend a marketing consultant begin in especially are the smaller businesses with sales between a half a million and three million. And the reason for those is the business owner is the contact person. They're still the one trying to do everything. They usually still don't have a marketing director or a VP of marketing, or they still don't have anyone on staff qualified to handle marketing. So it's the business owner trying to run the whole thing, and we're coming in to help him. Now, once we get to about a $5 million sales level, you begin to have different decision-making layers, and so someone else will probably answer the phone and you'll have more difficult getting to the business owner. Where do you get your leads from to make the calls? Well, there's been a couple of sources. You can get the yellow pages out, and you can begin looking at companies that invest a lot in their yellow pages. There's one source of uh, leads. What does that tell you when you see a huge ad in the yellow pages? Yeah, it tells you that you've got a business that's spending a lot of money on traditional marketing. It may not be working very well. And so I might have a built-in need already. And he may be frustrated with his yellow page ad. He may be getting a lot of calls but not converting them. So he's still not making enough profit from his ads. You could also pick up magazines in your local area and look through those and find companies that are spending money on advertising. Go through your local newspaper and begin to build a little database of your own leads so you don't have to spend money on a list. And that's another source. You can call a list company and you can get lists of companies in your area that have sales between 500000 and $3 million, who give you the business owner's name, their phone number, their address, how many employees they have. You can decide if you want to eliminate certain kinds of businesses and you have a list that you can buy from a list broker. If I'm going to go through your training and become a marketing consultant, is this something that you'd recommend I do at the beginning myself, or can I hire this out to a telemarketer or someone working part-time? That's a great question. If you feel that you don't have the skills, then outsource it, because I have. I've, I've always rather gone to someone or some company that does it already and pay them to make those calls. However, early in my career, I was making those calls. I recommend if in starting that you make the calls because without that experience, it's even hard for you to train a caller to do it. I was talking to a friend of mine, and I didn't realize that he was from Israel, and he wanted to get in some sort of marketing consulting. And he would always want to meet me face-to-face, and I never really thought about it. But he was insecure and didn't have the confidence to be on the phone because he thought his Israeli accent would hinder him from doing whatever he needed on the phone. But he had the confidence 
meeting someone face-to-face because he could express more, more than just his voice to communicate me. But there's a lot of people here in the United States and really all over the world where they feel their accent gets in the way of them doing that telephone work. So by farming it out, that's not going to keep them from getting appointments. Right. Here's a question from Rose. Rose wants to know, how do you succeed in promoting products and services when you have no money at all? The best way to do that is to find individuals or businesses that could promote them for you. So what you do is you take a look at your products and services that you have, and you ask the question, what other businesses might have customers that want my product? And so you're tapping into or you're forming alliances with or you're, you're becoming a partner with another business who's already paid the money, who's already invested the marketing dollars, and they've generated a customer base, but you haven't, or you don't have the money to do that. And so you're bringing your product and service as a way they could add value to their customers and give you a piece of that. So that's the best and fastest way to to get something launched if you don't have the money. Here's a question from Scott. Richard. What would you do in the next 30 days to get started and land your first client? I'd get on the phone. I'd get on the phone. The phone is the most underutilized marketing asset that's out there because it costs nothing. And yet you, you can take the time to contact enough people to find someone interested and then go see face-to-face. So if I had 30 days, I would combine phone with in-person visits. Let me show you how I can increase your sales 25 to 100% without spending more money on advertising. And I'd take my phone pitch that I just said a few minutes ago. I would also examine what relationships I might have developed in my community. For example, if I had worked at all with a local printer or my accountant, these are two businesses or entities that have businesses as clients. And I would immediately go to them and say, could I offer a free consultation to your client? And so it's a a service that my accountant could offer to his small business owners without spending any money. But it's good for the accountant because if his business has increased sales, he's going to be doing more accounting. And so those are the two things I would do rapidly for 30 days. I'd be on the phone. I'd be out in person meeting businesses. And then I would be leveraging any relationships that I could find that I could partner with, just like we described in your previous question. If I have no money and I'm just getting started, how do I take my marketing service and start to make money with it? And I recommended that you form alliances and partners. And so I would do that as a marketing consultant, which I did. Early in my career, I got leads from my accountant. I got leads from a local printer. I I went to the local chamber of commerce and and started joining a couple of these lead clubs that cost zero to join. Were they happy to share the leads with you? Absolutely. Did you have to pay them money for them? No, we just exchanged leads. They'd let you get up and give a little presentation of two minutes or so about what you do. and So all of those are workable ways to generate leads quickly. Your favorite is the phone and face-to-face presentation. That's my favorite if I don't have those relationships. If I have those relationships, those are my favorite. The consulting business and marketing consulting included is the highest profit margin business out there. I mean, I meet these business owners every day. And there you can buy on 10%, 15%, 20% growth profit. Marketing consulting gives you 90, 95% gross profit. You have no hard costs. It's all intellectual services. So you're packaging your, your expertise. So, you know, he should see profit immediately. He should see profit from his first fees if he can generate a fee. Here's a question from Carl from Phoenix. Hi, Richard. The question I have is, Is the marketing consulting market saturated here in the United States? It is very crowded, no question. And it's getting more crowded in the sense that you now have Internet marketing consultants who are out there. So the e-commerce and and dot-coms of the world and the website designers have now come along. And, uh, And that is why it's even more critical that you distinguish yourself from all of those. 
That's why you take approach to marketing that I have in a way that says, I, Mr. Business Owner, I know you've been hit with all these others, but I'm different. And here's how I'm different. I'm going to take what you've already got and create more cash flow for you. I'm going to increase your sales and your net profits and I'm going to help you find more working capital because we may stop spending on some of these other marketing or advertising approaches and we're going to help you see a way to do it without any of that necessarily. Now we might still do some, Mr. Business Owner. I'm not saying that these other approaches don't work but this is how you get in the door. This is how you separate yourself from the others. So it doesn't matter how many others there are as long as you are perceived and and have something different, you're going to be okay. Here's a question from Rick. Richard, let's say I'm, I'm a marketing consultant, cold calling for potential clients with no previous mailings or anything like that. They don't know me from Adam. I'm just cold calling the yellow pages by phone looking for potential clients. What do I say to get interest and to get an appointment? Hi, my name is Rick. I'm with XYZ Marketing Firm. I'm in your area helping small businesses increase sales as well as net profits anywhere from 25 to 100% in as little as 60 to 90 days without spending more money on advertising. Could I take 20 minutes of your time and tell you a little bit more about what I do? All right. And what if he says yes? What are you going to say? Great. Uh, I'm available Tuesday or Thursday at 2 o'clock. Would that work for you? Sure. Where do you meet him? At his place? Yes. I'll go to his place of business. Do you ever find that there could be distractions there when you're trying to have that 20 minutes or 30 minutes with him? Sure, there are sometimes with distractions, and that's the nature of the small business owner, that you simply deal with those. And there have been times when I've rescheduled and come back, or there's been times when I've just sat patiently and waited till the distractions pass. I mean, have you ever tried getting them outside of their business, maybe meeting them at a coffee shop or somewhere close? Yeah, we've done that as well. So that can work. It. I, I, I don't recommend that on a first visit in that I think um, I think it's critical that the consultants kind of see the place of business and see see what the business owner's uh, going up against. But it's worked the other way as well. No, that's a good idea. So you can get in there and get an idea if this is someone you even want to work that's with. That's right. Now, you're yeah. not going to want to work with everyone who you get to meet with, right? No, and that's a great point because... Uh, you could spend a lot of energy and waste a lot of time, which is money to the consultant, by working with some clients that really you shouldn't be working with. We qualify them somewhat in the mailing list or through the yellow pages, but are there other qualifying questions that your telemarketer would do or that you would do before you meet with them to alleviate that waste of time? Absolutely. We take the philosophy that it is better to qualify heavily up front to find the right clients because you just save time. And there are some other qualifiers. Critical qualifier is, and I will say this sometimes after a telemarketer sets an appointment or I'm calling to confirm the appointment, I'll say, now, Mr. Business Owner, let me just confirm, you really want to grow, is that right? Are you ready to grow your business? Because you've got some business owners who don't really care about growing. Mm -hmm. And so you don't want to waste time telling them they ought to be growing because there's some that are happy where they're at. They're happy right where they're at. And so I need to make sure that, Mr. Business Owner, you are you ready to grow? Do you really want to grow this, this business some more? Are you ready to do that? Second, I might qualify them as to how long they've been in business because the system is not really built and systemized for a new startup. Because when you make a pitch to the business owner that you're going to find ways to help him grow without spending more money on advertising, you're going to be doing it through his customer base or his staff or his salespeople or his relationships with other businesses. Well, if he's a brand new startup, he doesn't have very much of that. And that's not someone you even want to go near. That's right. And they usually don't have the money to pay you. Mm -hmm. Okay? So leave them alone and let them build their business for a few years. 
our target client is the one that's been in business three to five years or more, has a desire to grow and really wants to grow his business, and then probably the last qualifying question that I might ask is now, Mr. Business Owner, this investment could be anywhere from four to $10,000 over a period of three to six months. I don't want to hurt your business. Is that something that you could handle if this is something you wanted to do? Now, I should qualify that qualifier because I'll say that now after several years in the business, but you may not say that as a beginning consultant. But, boy, I'd rather even get that out on the table. Right. You know, because if he doesn't have any money, if he doesn't believe in investing in marketing, if he doesn't really want to grow, if he hasn't been around for a while so that I know there's other ways to find growth for him, then let him stay in the market for a while and let him change his attitudes through the market. I don't have time to change it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Let me ask you this. You've got your telemarketer setting the appointments. They set the appointment, say, a week ahead. In your experience, let's say when you first started and compared to what you do now, were you the person calling back to confirm the appointment? When would you call back? If the appointment was on a Friday, what day would you call back to confirm and to ask these qualifying questions? Great. I'd usually call back on Thursday, back a day before the appointment. I'd say, I'm just calling to confirm our appointment for tomorrow at 9 o'clock. Is that right? They'd say, yes, I've got you on, on the calendar. Great. And then, depending on how I felt, I might ask some of those other qualifying questions. And then, based on their answers, you would decide either keep the appointment or or not keep it. Let's say you find that this probably isn't a prospect. What are you going to say to them? That is a great question because I just had it happen. I just had the caller set an appointment for me with a small business owner, and I called him back to confirm. And he said, you know, I'm so glad you called because I have a service appointment I need to make in the morning at 8.30, which was when our appointment was set. Well, that gave me time to talk to him a little bit more. And I said, well, tell me a little bit about your business. And he he told me a little bit about his business. And I could tell from his attitude that he probably wasn't ready to meet right now. Mm -hmm. And so I said, listen, uh, maybe next week I'll give you a call sometime. So that freed up my whole morning, see. I didn't go waste it with someone that I just didn't feel was quite ready for me. So let me ask this. You went through Jay's system the marketing system in 1990, and you're still actually out there having someone telemarket for you, set up appointments, you're calling to confirm. You've actually been doing this for this long. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you why. Because the number one killer of the consulting business and marketing consulting included is you stop marketing. And the minute you stop marketing, you're dead. Because you start you start to get lethargic, you start to get lazy, you start to uh, you get clients and you think you're busy enough, and so you don't keep marketing. I throw out this rule right now, and that is anyone serious about getting in the consulting business better always be willing to market 25% of their time. So this isn't a uh, land a huge client, get a good contingency deal, make several hundred thousand dollars, and retire for the next year. <laughs> You'll only find those if you keep doing what I've described you to do. You won't, you won't find those by assigning. You'll run into them. And I've run into a couple of them. And so I've had a couple of client relationships that have given me the big bucks for a short period of time. But they're far and few between. Now, let's talk about it. You say for a short period of time. It was just contingency relationship? Both fee and contingency. Do they last contingency relationships? Contingencies are hard to make last. Why? There's several things. One is you're in a partnership with the business owner. You're now relying on his honesty and his trust and his capability of doing business. That's not always in your control. It may not always keep working the way you want it to work. Does it change the relationship between the two people? It absolutely does. That's why I don't recommend a contingency basis to begin with. I will always charge a fee first. And then as I work with the client and they work with me and we find out that we're working well together, 
it can evolve into a contingency opportunity. That working relationship is really a qualifier, whether he's honest, whether he he's interested in growing his business, and whether there's potential. And if that's gone good, is there any reason why he wouldn't want to do a contingency? Really isn't. And if it's gone good, he's paid me my fees on time like I've asked. He's been happy to pay them, and we've built up a good relationship. He knows what I'm going to do for him in this contingency relationship. I know what he's going to do for me in this contingency relationship. And, and then it's much easier. Well, what about Jay Abraham's thing? You went to the training in 90. I remember it's if, uh, if I could bring your business a dollar, would you be willing to pay me 25 cents for the increase of the business? What's wrong with that model? What did you find was wrong with that model? Did you believe in the model at first? Oh, I did, because that's what Jay trained us in. And so I came home, and I ran an ad of that very nature, and I got phone calls. And I put it out there into a small business magazine that was being distributed to businesses. And it said that very thing. It said, if I can make you a dollar, you pay me 25 cents. And, and I got several phone calls. Then I found out the problem with starting it that way. Jay was able to do it because he had already made hundreds of thousands of dollars and had hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank. And so he could afford to do a contingency. But many of these contingency clients take a lot of time to make work and before you see the sales. And it takes money to make the marketing work. And they don't have the money. That's why they called you to do it on your commission. Those were the obstacles I found. I found, oh, man, this is going to take too long. And I got a mortgage to pay. Do you remember the first client who called you? Yeah. Who was it? They were producing a, a family unity tape set. They were kind of a non-profit type of entity. So they didn't have a budget for marketing. I guess part of the answer to the question is, where are you at when you take the training? If you already have money in the bank, if you already have a career that you've built up a retirement, and you could afford 6 to 12 months to make a contingency work, good for you. Yeah, and you would invest your own money in doing that. And your time. Okay. If you are like most of us, and you have a mortgage to pay, and you have bills that have to be paid every 30 days, then you probably don't have the time to give that to a contingency. So that's why in 1990, when it stopped, it, it wasn't working well for me, I created the program which is based on a fee-based system because immediately I saw that I needed to change the way I was approaching these small business owners. I couldn't do it right then the way Jay Abraham taught me, and so I had to change it to a fee-based structure, and that's the way it is. You didn't have the assets that's to do what he did. That's right. He was just teaching it the best he knew how from his experience and from where he was. That's right. And so I don't blame him. So you're teaching it from where you were. That's right. And where I think most are. Right. And that's why I think it's the most successful system out there. I've had competitors who have been out there. They were trained by Jay. Okay but they still have not figured out how to go to a prospective business owner, present him value, and charge a fee, and then present him the next value and charge a fee, and present him the next value and charge a fee. That's what's unique about the system, is it's, it's so systemized from beginning to end. How long did it take you to put the system together? Oh, it was four or five years. Here's a question from Peter. What advice would you give someone with previous business experience who is interested in getting into marketing consulting? And what is the quickest way to start attracting clients? Well, the first thing then that I would do is I would look at my business background and my business training, and I would find relationships in that business world that I've been in. And these relationships I would cultivate with those who, who sell something or offer something to other businesses. In other words, the same kinds of clients that I want. 
So I would leverage my business relationships the best way I could. Recommends fees that range anywhere from $1,500 on a low end to four or $5,000 on a high end and really varies with the size of the business that you're visiting with and the amount of work that you're going to have to do, and we teach you all that in the training. Is that per month? That's right, and you might have a client for anywhere from four to seven months that you're retaining and working with, and you can work with anywhere from 10 to 12, 15 clients at a time. So so you've got to, you've got to kind of determine how much time it's going to take how much, uh, how large the business is and their ability to pay and then the, your ability to create the value. And so there is no set fees. We teach you more how to determine those fees based on the, cir- the circumstance you're in. Let me ask you this. How many clients are you currently working with right now? About 10. you got 10 clients you're working with. Mm-hmm. And how much time are you spending on each client per month? The system is built and documented in such a way that you're probably spending between two and four hours per week per client. Now, I'll have to tell you, I'm spending less time than that right now because you're only getting faster, you're only getting better, you're only getting more experience each year that you're in this business, and so my per hour compensation goes has gone up dramatically from when I started because two things have happened. One is I've been able to increase my fees as I get better. It's just like Jay Abraham. I remember early on he was charging at one or $2,000 per hour on the phone. Now he's getting four or $5,000. Yeah, when demand goes up, price goes up. That's right. And when your confidence goes up, price yeah. goes up. Yeah, and so starting out, boy, I remember when I was... I was sweating out trying to charge any fee at all. So so we want to help you avoid that startup learning curve and give you the training and the confidence so that right off the bat you begin asking for the fees because you can't tap into the system that's been around for 14, 15 years. So it's produced phenomenal results for clients. So you're not a startup. You're actually participating in part of a, of a system that's been around for a long time. And that should help you in setting those higher fees from the beginning, as well as the training that confidence it will give you to set a higher fee. Here's another question from Peter. How do you get past the gatekeeper to talk to your prospect or to get that meeting with your prospect? And what is the best way to track your results with a client that is not very open with his books. I haven't confronted the gatekeeper issue a lot because of the target market I'm recommending you go to. When when we make phone calls to the target market we're in, we're usually getting the business owner on the phone. And so that's one way to avoid that problem is by sticking to the target market that you're best you know equipped to take care of. What you have to kind of do sometimes on the other is maybe you send them a postcard or you send them a a newsletter or you send them part of a book you've written and that helps to get past the gatekeeper because you're mailing it right to the business owner and then you follow up with a phone call. I've never really had to also get into the books with the company. The marketing that you do, you'll be able to track by the results of the mail piece or the results of the ad or the results of the letter, how much money that makes and how much profit that means has been less of an issue than how much new sales it's brought. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're more concerned with tracking the, the sales and when you create the pieces, as you will be trained how to do in the system, you can track that pretty well. All right, here's a question from Dino. Richard, I'm in the U.K., and I've got a question for you. Why is it that over 80% of the people who set out to become a marketing consultant fail to make more than $10,000 per year? (laughs) 
it's because they are not persistent in their own marketing. It's because they get into a trap that is so easy for consultants to get into, and that is they'll get a client, so they think now they're busy, and so they stop marketing. They stop promoting themselves, and so when you do that, you'll dry up and die, and so that's why most will, will not make it. And that's why in the a big part of the training is how to grow your practice and how to get clients, and we teach a multi-pillared marketing approach where we're we're teaching you several ways to get clients, not just one or two ways to get clients. You have to do for your marketing consulting practice exactly what you advise clients to do for their business. And if you're not, the same thing that's going to happen to your client, that is dry up and die and get beat by the competition, is going to happen to you and your practice. And so I've published a book. I have a seminar material and included in your training, you'll get all of that, how to put on a seminar and teach the system to businesses. And you'll always get clients that way. We teach you how to use the phone to get clients. We teach you how to use the mail to get clients. We teach you about setting up alliances and partnerships to get clients. And so we teach you a multi-pillared way to get clients because we don't want that to happen to you. But if you are not persistent in the marketing, then your risk is that you'll, you'll, you'll be done. Most consulting opportunities don't cover that. Jay didn't. I spent $15,000 with Jay Abraham. He didn't teach me how to go get a client. I had to go figure that out myself. And, and I've seen competitors out there, other marketing consulting groups that might have great content, but what they didn't do is what I did, and that's spend time on the street for years learning how to identify, present, and close a client so that 14 years later now, it's still happening. Can you make this business work? Without having to meet a client face-to-face, have you ever done any consulting that way, using the, the Internet to send the forms and the phone to do the interviews and stuff like that? Well, it's good you ask that because part of getting trained is that you'll have access to an Internet-based coaching system. So, yes, we're aware that, that that's going on, and so we've put the entire system on the Internet, and you can do that now. Have I done it a lot? No. And I'll tell you why. Most of the clients, the small business owners, get up in the morning and they're at their shop and they're working all day. And if you're going to reach them, they don't have a minute during that day that they're pausing to get on the Internet. They're meeting payroll. They're buying inventory. They're figuring out ways to sell more. And so they need to be met face-to-face. So you're going to have a few, but I don't want to give it all the impression that that's going to be a, a way that's going to generate all of it. That's fair enough. Here's some questions related to credibility, and it seems like several people are concerned with that. One from Dave. How can a rookie consultant cover up for his lack of credibility if he still has no paying clients to give him testimonials? Then he uses the testimonials of the system that are already out there. When you go through the training, you're going to be able to tap into that credibility. So they're not only getting the system, they're getting the 14 years of performance. That's one way he can cover that up. The other way is when I got started, I had been in the outside sales uh, arena, and I had performed. The prospect is less concerned about what you've done in the past and more concerned about how he thinks you're going to solve his problem. And so as a consultant, you need to be concerned more with how you're going to be able to listen to, understand, and present a solution to that business owner's problem. If you spend your time during that, he's not going to worry about your credibility. If he has the confidence that you can solve his problem, and so... I use stories from my sales background. 
They weren't at all connected with the marketing system that I was using. Mm -hmm. So I would also caution someone in trying to cover up, and I'd rather say explore what you do have that you might be able to throw out there as some credibility. Now, can you think back in all your face-to-face presentations when you're meeting with clients, how many can you think of that said, tell me about why I should... It's really not a big issue. And that's because when you go in, it's overwhelming. The business owner goes, oh, wow, this makes sense. When you deliver a proven system that he can't debate with, why is he going to say, prove it to me? You already have. Without giving away too much, can you talk about the opportunity analysis worksheet and what it does, how it's used, and what the purpose of it is in your system? You bet. Where the Sultan separates himself from everybody else is the ability to go into a small business and identify what the system refers to as hidden marketing assets. The Opportunity Worksheet is simply a systematic way we train the consultants how to identify those assets. And so there's a series of questions that the the Opportunity Worksheet guides the consultant through so that he doesn't miss any of the asset because the proposal then that you're trained in solving the business owner's problem is leveraging those assets into a marketing system. That's why it's so different from anybody else. Any traditional advertiser or traditional marketing consultant doesn't care about the business's hidden marketing assets. They just want to sell more advertising, and they want to sell more direct mail, or they want to sell more coupons, or they want to sell more billboard space, or more radio, or more newspaper. You're going in and saying, hey, I don't need any of that, but I do need to take you through a series of questions to see if you have what I call marketing assets. Then I'll take those assets, and I will systematically leverage them into a marketing system to create increases for you. So that, in a nutshell, is what separates our consultants from everybody else. From your experience, how long have you found it takes you for that initial meeting when you take that business owner through the opportunity analysis worksheet? It's about an hour. Do you need a laptop to take them through that system, or can you do this all on paper? It's all on paper. You don't need a laptop. Uh, what you'll do then is take the information gathered from the opportunity session and create a outline of marketing steps that you're recommending for the client. Now, you've got a sales background. This opportunity analysis worksheet is a well-thought-out sales system. Would you agree? Yeah, that's why it was created, is I knew that if someone else who wanted to be a marketing consultant might not have the sales background, that we'd have to create a almost word-for-word presentation, and that's in the opportunity analysis. So it's there almost word-for-word if they want to. And in fact, early on, I did. Early on, I had to take it, what I had been writing down, and actually say, oh, Mr. Owner, excuse me for a minute. I'm just going to go through a sheet here that I have and make sure I cover everything. They go, oh, sure, no problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. But really what it was for me was a cheat sheet. And you have you have the script of exactly what to say from the time you get in there. That's right. And you just read it off of the paper. That's right. Here's a question from Jordan. What do you find is the number one objection people have to hiring a marketing consultant? Yeah, I'd say there's a close tie between two. One is the feeling that, oh, I'm doing fine. I can do this myself. And then second, I don't want to invest the money. So those two are probably your top. Now, if you've got a guy who says, I don't want to invest the money, you've got a sales background, do you have an answer for that? Or do you pretty much know if this guy doesn't want to invest the money, it ain't going to happen? It's one of the purposes of the opportunity of a questionnaire that we train you is to show him the money. Mm -hmm. Before you ask him to invest, you've got to show him where the money's going to come. In part of that hour presentation, you're illustrating for him ways he can make more money. So that at the end, if he doesn't see a small investment he's going to pay you, isn't going to bring him the returns that you've described, then two things. One is you haven't made the sale, or you really didn't show him the money, 
or he doesn't have the money and doesn't want to spend it regardless of how much he could show him. And you're using his numbers to come up with the figures, right? Absolutely. Is that a challenge when you're asking them for gross sales? No, they're usually very open with that. They have those numbers pretty much down? Maybe, Mike, this would help illustrate. Let's Mm -hmm. say I'm talking to a business owner, and I ask him the question. I say, so you have two salespeople, and he says yes. What is their conversion rate, or how many people are they closing right now? And he says, well, I think they're closing about two out of ten. And I said, well, that's great. If my marketing system that I'll help implement into your business could raise that from two to three out of ten, can you see how much more money that would make you? And he says, oh, yeah, that would be great. Well, that's what our marketing system will help you do. It will help you raise that conversion rate from two to three, and you can see then how that might make you another $100,000 a year. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And he says, yeah, I can see that. So, see, I'm showing him how he's going to be making a lot of money. So it really shouldn't be an objection if you've done your presentation right. You got it. That's right. How many... Can you close? Give me some numbers. You set up 100 appointments. How many appointments are you going to end up seeing? How many are you going to close? And how many are you going to stick with it? Out of 10 appointments, my closing rate right now is about 5 out of 10. So I have about a 50% conversion rate. However, early on in the beginning, I would expect that a beginning consultant should hold about a 20 to 30% conversion rate. So if you're seeing 10 appointments a week, then you should pick up two to three clients a week. Those two to three clients you should be servicing for four to six or seven months if you're doing your job. So you'll keep a client a bet long. Well, that means then that at the end of four or five months, you're going to be finished with a client and you better have the replacement. That's why, again, the emphasis on marketing 25% of your week all the time. And people say, well, well, Richard, then you're going to get full and you don't have enough. I can tell you from experience, you're never full enough. And if I am by chance, then I simply tell a client, I can't start with them right now, but I could at X date. Or it gives me the luxury of saying, I could start with you now, but the fee would have to be X. And I raise my fee, you see. So... Consultants somewhat have to create the demand that then will generate justify a fee. Well, one of the attractive benefits that other business and marketing consultant opportunities are offering is a residual income. And from what you're saying is contingency isn't the focus on your program, but you did say there is an opportunity for that. So a question from Larry from Florida is how do you develop a residual income from your marketing consulting practice? Well, that is a great question, and there are a lot of different ways to develop. In fact, one of our consultants in Chicago area, Steve is his name, he took this training, and he immediately began to work with small businesses, and he charged a fee to begin with, and then he began to take part ownership of a company. How do you do that? Give me an example of what he did. What he did is he went in and said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and lower my fees to get involved my marketing system into your business, but then I would like to work out a percentage of ownership in the company. And so here's a consultant then that's taken some ownership in companies, and he's told us that it's created his retirement. And And it's a lot safer than some contingency deal. Exactly. He's got ownership. And he said the other day that he's actually created his retirement. So residual opportunities are there. It's just, I think, each consultant mindset. How do they want to use the system? Do they want to use it with a few clients and get heavily involved and maybe even become a part owner? Or maybe find some contingency opportunities? So the system is such that I think the personality of the consultant could be a driving use of the system. Here's a question from Lee. How can you make more in consulting fees with less paperwork in report writing? Is there a lot of report writing in this? There really isn't. The system teaches you how to generate a course and outline, or I don't like to use the word proposal. Uh, One thing that we teach you is you've got to be able to go into the client and then respond back in your proposal to the client directly. You can't come back with a generic proposal. You've got to come back with a system outline 
that hits the points that you uncovered in your opportunity analysis. So that's why every outline is going to be different for each prospect. So there is that. After that, you're getting paid to service the client. and Any other writing or any other report generating is going to be paid for as part of the system. And you have these outlines in the system? Right. Here's a question from Dave. By giving the prospect good value through educating them at the first meeting with the agenda you have created through the answers the prospect gave in response to the questions that you had gone over in the opportunity analysis worksheet, how do you not give them enough information so that they would tend to want to do it on their own? One of the marketing principles that Jay taught me that I've seen come true is you can tell a prospect a lot of things to do, but it all comes down to execution. And he is not trained to execute. In fact, if I were to say the number one reason clients will retain a marketing consultant It's less for what they told him he's going to do and more for that he's going to do it. In other words, for the execution. The marketing content in the system is really not new. It's been around and used successfully for years. And so they know a lot of this stuff. The business owner already knows he should be doing it. He hasn't been doing it. So by coming to him with a system... And your ability to execute, that's what he's going to buy. You're going to do it for him. Yeah, because he's probably bought books before. He's probably maybe hired someone before that he thought would do it, and it's still not done. Here's a question from Bonnie. Richard, do you deal with clients who won't take your advice? In other words, they hire you because you're an expert and they need your help. Then when you advise them on what to do, they disagree and think their way is better. Should you just fire them or compromise or do what they want because the customer is always right? Part of the upfront psychological contract is what I've heard it referred to. I'm going to recommend certain marketing steps, Mr. Business Owner, and uh, I'm going to make sure that we get them executed. I do need your total support behind that. Otherwise, my guarantee is is void. I'm guaranteeing to you that the system will perform, but unless everything is done the way I say it should be done and in the manner that I recommend it should be done, uh, I can't guarantee my performance. And so if you want to change it, if you want to do something else, or if you say, I don't want to do this, then it just voids our guarantee. Is that okay? Cover all of that ahead of time. Now, certainly uh, there's going to be cases, and I've had them. I've had clients who have paid me, and some of the marketing hasn't worked, and yet the reason they know it hasn't worked is they haven't done their part. So I've still fulfilled my guarantee, but the results didn't necessarily happen, yet they recognize it was because they didn't do their part. Do you have a specific script or format that you use when asking for referrals? And if so, what is it? Do you have different approaches when seeking referrals from non-clients as opposed to clients? At what point in the relationship do you start asking? Now, this would be for your building your marketing consulting practice. The place that you might ask for referrals is going to be different with every client. Sometimes my clients are so excited after step one that I can ask for referrals. Sometimes it takes three or four months before things start working and start generating that I can ask for referrals. It, the, really, the right answer is that it's, it's kind of whenever the client gives you a buying signal, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and that might be at any point in the steps. And how would you do it? What would you say? And I would say, listen, I'm, I'm excited that this is working for us. You feel like it's working for your business. And they say, yes. And I will especially ask for referrals from a client who has other small businesses as clients. And I'll say something like, well, would it be okay if maybe we sponsored or if you'd like to sponsor a little workshop for some of your clients that I could share these marketing ideas with some of them? And so I've done sponsored workshops as a way to to generate referrals. So they'll send out something to their list, a letter or a mail? Uh Uh-huh. And you've got that in the system? Right. So you can generate referrals through a seminar, or they might give you just 
do you have one or two business associates that you think this might work for and that I could use your name in approaching? Mm-hmm. And they might give me one or two referrals. Yeah. How much are you using referrals in your consulting oh, process? Right now, I would say that 80% of my income has come from referrals because I've built up enough relationships where I get referrals. These are with groups and associations that we'll train you on how to set up some of these same relationships. Give me an example of one of the workshops you did. Elko, Nevada is one good example. We did a workshop there and then ended up selling both one-on-one consulting services as well as selling some of the uh, web coaching services, and so uh, that was very successful. I've also done a lot of the... uh, workshops for chambers of commerce who have these luncheons and they've sponsored uh, me as a speaker almost always I'll get clients from those workshops so the seminar and you get all of this in your training is very powerful because it's a good balance of teaching but not giving them too much it always intrigues them enough that they want to follow up with a consultation from here's a question from Mike where do you see small business growth in the future and where will a small business marketing consultant be seeing the biggest areas of growth to tap into, specific areas, niches, markets, or services. Any ideas on that? Well, the Internet uh, definitely is a big area. I see that growing. I see more and more of my own clients uh, over time are getting involved in the Internet, so I'm having more opportunity with them as they build their business models or change their business models to accommodate the Internet. But what's neat is the system, whether it's with a brick-and-mortar company or the Internet, it still applies. So all steps of the marketing consulting you could do, you could do either with a web-based company or a brick-and-mortar company. So I see that as a big one. You know, retail is struggling, and so retail is an opportunity. These small mom-and-pop retail stores are getting beat up by Walmart. They're getting beat up by the big Home Depots, and all of those big box companies are threatening them. And so they're looking for answers. They're looking for help. I think another big opportunity is going to be more and more small business owners are starting their own businesses. They're buying franchises, and sometimes the franchise has all the marketing laid out for them, but sometimes they don't. I'm working right now with a franchise client that just doesn't feel he's getting any help from headquarters. So there's going to be a lot of uh, people getting into business by themselves again. That that whole sector is growing. So those are the opportunities. I Here's a question from Margo. Although no two businesses are exactly alike, generally speaking, what are the three surest methods of immediately increasing profits in a small business? I would say the three are, number one, creating a really good, unique selling proposition and then integrating that into all of their current marketing processes. Give me an example. I worked with a client that was in the employee leasing business. He was the owner, a sole owner, and he had five salespeople. Well, sales were not doing as well as he would have liked. And so he hired me as a consultant to create a unique selling proposition. So we did that. And part of that process is asking the owner what he really thinks his unique selling proposition is. And so I got that from the owner. Well, in step two, you go about integrating that unique selling proposition into all of the sales process. What did he come up with as his unique selling proposition? Okay, he said, Richard... I don't sell life insurance. I don't sell health insurance. I save a small business owner time and energy in complying with all of the legal rules of business. I said, so So really you're not selling product. You're not selling payroll services. You're selling time and energy and liability for the business owner. You're taking away all of these things so he doesn't have to deal with them. And he said, yeah, that's what my USP is. Well, I went and asked his five salespeople what they sold, and they were not selling that. Instead, they were selling health insurance or 401Ks or payroll service. Well, the minute we got the 
owner's unique selling proposition integrated into the sales pitch of the five salespeople, we increased their closing rate from 20 to 40 percent and increased their revenues from 60 to 90 million dollars. Wow. It was phenomenal. And that's just one thing. That's just one thing. So to answer her question, there's number one, and that is getting a good, unique selling proposition from the very beginning and getting it integrated. A second way to see money real quickly is improving the sales performance of salespeople. And that's done by giving them a good, unique selling proposition and then maybe doing some basic sales training. A third quick way Do you cover sales training in your system? Yes. In fact, we have a module in there that is a sales training module that they can use as part of their consulting. And I don't have to be an expert at it. All I've got to do is follow along? Just follow the outline. The third way that would be fast is is the customer base. I've seen a lot of money raised quickly by reactivating inactive customers. Give me an example from one, maybe one of your oh, old Yeah, I had a doctor who was in the weight control business. In other words, he would advise patients on how to lose weight. And he had his own product, his own protein drinks and cookies and things that were used in helping his patients lose weight. Well, he had about 500 patients that he had taken care of over the years probably 50 to 100 that were active at any one time. And I said, well, what's happened to the other 400? He said, well, I don't know. So we put together a little simple letter to reactivate those patients, and his revenues went up 25% in 30 days. So that's a big and fast and can be a very quick way to money. So those are your three. Would you be willing to share with my listeners a series of 15 or 20 case studies that you've experienced in your consulting business? Oh, you bet. We will save that for another recording. I really appreciate you taking the time and handle all these questions from all my subscribers. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It was a pleasure.